Beth. That's the wrong one. That is the wrong one. I'm sorry. I was like, I'll literally give it like two seconds for like I'm silence. Sorry, I'm so out of whack. It's been a while. To be fair, it has been a while since we've recorded Leverage. It's been a while since we've done anything that's our usual schedule. It's throwing me off, man. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the 17th episode of the fourth season. It is the radio job. It is the second to last episode of the season. I am so excited to hear your thoughts. So Beth, what did you think? Okay, so I was wrong in my prediction. (laughs) Or Mm. actually, I did say that I think I mentioned that they maybe would have Mm walkie-talkies. So, like, I wasn't totally wrong, but they certainly didn't do the, like, let's call the radio. Actually, Jimmy did call. Jimmy did do it, yeah. Actually, I think I get half marks for my prediction. Yeah, you managed to predict what Jimothy Ford was going to do. Jimothy? Jimothy, yeah. (laughs) I fully came in here about to be like, you know what, I was wrong, but I'm not mad about it. But actually, I was more right than I realized Mm -hmm. until I started saying it out loud. So, you know what? Promise to me. Yeah. Yeah. Is the season, like, I'm going to classify this as, like, the season finale. It did have the first of the big to-be-continueds across the screen. Yes. I think this is the first time that we have seen, like, literally, like, a massive, like... Did we get one in the season three two-part finale? I can't remember. I don't think we did. Huh. Anyway, I'm very excited. I have lots of things that I want to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I want to get your opinion. Yeah. Where do you think we should start? Do you think we should start with like the reveal-y things or do you think mm. we should start with the like just general episode-y things? Because I think there are two distinct categories there. I think we should start with the reveal-y things okay. because otherwise we may get distracted by the other things and forget to talk about them. <laughs> you want to know what my last note is? I would love to know what your last note is. In all caps, it says, don't forget Jimmy dies. <laughs> because in the like 30, 40 minutes break we had between yeah. watching the episode and coming in here to record, I fully forgot he died until you briefly mentioned it as we were sitting down. So I think starting with the reveals, great yeah. idea, actually. Okay. So first up, let's talk about Jimmy dying. Okay. I, just Jimmy generally. Yeah, just Jimmy generally. I love the fact that they brought Jimmy back. Just to kill him? Just to kill him. <laughs> no, but I love the fact that it's sort of like this is... You know, obviously they needed to be able to up the ante somehow. And I think bringing Jimmy Ford back is a really brilliant way to do that. Because it's like, Mm. he's a character that we've certainly had before. Like, we're not going to see him again. I don't think it's a spoiler to say, like, when people die in leverage, they die in leverage. Mm. Like, unless you're Sophie and you're faking your death every other episode. Yeah. But, like, generally speaking, if you die in leverage, you're dead. Like, you're not coming... There's no... There's no voodoo magic, like, coming around you sort mean of thing. next episode doesn't start with Nate selling his soul? No, it Damn. does not start with Nate selling his soul. There, <laughs> that is not a possibility That's in the leverage universe. Nate is more Sam-coded, and yeah. um, we all know that no one will sell <laughs> No one wants Sam's soul. <laughs> like, they, he couldn't clear his soul if it was on clearance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is not the podcast where we roast Sam. That's the other one. That's we the other one. Yeah, we're, we're roasting the wrong characters. We need to roast uh, Nate Ford and his, you know, I think uh, Hardison calls it his distant and withholding management style. Mm. Do you know what? I have a problem with Nate, which is not unusual for me, but... It happens more often than you think. <laughs> Nate discourse in my brain? No, I think that... What specifically stood out to me, first of all, actually, in this episode, is, like, when it opened, and Jamie and I watched the episode Mm -hmm. together, so just for a bit of context, 
when the episode opens and we have like all of the fucking military personnel mm. and the yeah. cops and the FBI and fucking Homeland Security, whatever else showing yeah. up. By the way, surely this is overkill, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, they're trying to make a point, right? And there's a helicopter and I'm like, sure. but like, And also- we also don't know what, because it's very clear that like either Dubinich or Latimer or somebody associated with them has called the police. Mm. So we don't know what they have told the police. True, true. But it just seems like, I don't know, I personally mm. wouldn't have expected all of those branches to show up. I would have maybe thought like two in conjunction. Whatever but- it was, it was enough to get the FBI involved and then... The military and then Homeland Security. And yeah, like and then stuff. Homeland Security come when they were like, oh, we're going to make this, we're going to pretend to be terrorists, terrorists for a minute. Which is like such a fun choice for them. But anyway, <laughs> so I think that Leverage has done such a good job of selling me on not just the team's like collective skill set, but mm-hmm. on Nate specifically and his ability to manipulate the circumstances to his best interest. That my note on that was literally did Nate orchestrate this? Like, my thought was like, oh, we're going to get to the, like, record scratch, how do you think I got here moment, mm-hmm. and we're going to find out that, like, it's intentional. Like, all yeah. of these people showed up because somehow it works for Nate's plan. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't end up being the case. No. But I was like, I saw that, and I was like, oh, I'm not worried. Yeah. Nate has this yeah. under control. This is all part of the plan. They're just trying to, like, red herring me, right? And then the fact that that was not the case was actually more surprising like than just all of them being there in the first place. The issue that I took was that Nate says to Sophie, it's personal, and then walks out. I'm like, Nate. And that's actually the moment where I was like, oh, it's probably his dad. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I think it's going to be a Jimmy situation. Yeah. But I was also like... That's your girlfriend. Like, but he's too repressed to say that. Oh, God. But he's still like, in denial, despite the fact they've been dating for almost a full oh, season now. I swear to God, this man is so annoying. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, Nate, you can't, like, you can use that excuse of, like, it's too personal, but that holds so much less gravitas with Sophie than it does with any other member of the team. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have said that to Hardison, Elliot, or Parker, and I would have been like, yeah, okay. But yeah. to Sophie... Dude, come on. Like, and he says that as if it's somehow going to dissuade her. Yeah. Like, bro, (laughs) open your eyes. It does the very opposite. It does not even slightly dissuade the team. Yeah. And, you know, despite the fact he cleared his browser data. Oh, my God. The fact that Hardison was like, it's adorable. I was like, that's, I love it. Like, he, he's really trying to do this by himself because he feels responsible. He literally has the line at one point. He's my dad. It's my problem. Mm. Which is... Supernatural coded. Yeah. And we get, you know, we get Nate trying to save his father because, you know, despite everything, he's still his father. And, like, he... Despite the fact that, you know, he does not want to be his father. And we get the shouting match this episode where he's like, I know everything about you because I am you. Mm. And it's like that horror of turning into the person that you least wanted to turn into. Yeah. And we get the, like, the turnaround from, you know, Jimmy Ford of, like, I'm the person, what was I meant to do? Sit in this bar and tell stories. I'm the person they tell stories about, goddammit. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, we get tell them stories about how much Jimmy Ford loved his son. Mm. Because for all of Jimmy Ford's flaws, for all of the fact that he does not understand his son on a fundamental level, he still does care Deeply. Like, he only took this job because they threatened to hurt Nate if he didn't. Yeah. 
Jimmy is a very complicated character mm-hmm. and he's really interesting to me in the sense of like I actually don't know where I would put him on a morality spectrum mm-hmm. because I don't think that it's a spicy hot take to say that like I don't think he was a good person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No, he's, he's a bad dude. Like, but also like he has some really strong qualities in him that I think lend him to having a more sympathetic viewing. Like, I don't think overall he's a good person, hmm. but I think that he has redeeming qualities. Yeah. And I like that because I think it makes him a more, not only like realistic, but a more well-rounded character. Hmm. Like he doesn't feel so much like a caricature. He feels like a very complex individual. And it's almost a shame that we got so little of him before yeah. he died, especially because I think that exposure to jimmy is a really interesting way of looking at nate Mm -hmm. and like you mentioned the sort of shouting match they had and i'm so glad that you've seen this episode so many times and you know what they were saying Mm -hmm. because my note on that is the quote i did this job for you and then i have comma i have no idea what else they were saying (laughs) because like they're shouting over each other but i thought that that was really interesting because this is sort of um a very broad strokes statement so like you know just bear in mind, this doesn't apply to everyone, but something that I find really common, both just like across like the board in real life, but also in media is this concept of a parent or a parental figure saying like, you're so ungrateful. Like, I don't, you understand I did this Mm. for you. And it's kind of like, yeah, sure. But like, did you really Mm. like, did you actually do it? For your kid mm. or is that just the excuse that you're using and so I think and it comes back to like a lot of the time it's like they just fundamentally don't actually know their children and yeah. so they're like they're saying oh, I did this for you I made all these sacrifices for you it's kind of like that whole concept that you get sometimes where their parents are like not under my roof like I put a roof over your head and I fed you and I clothed you and like you're so ungrateful and it's like oh so you did the bare minimum mm. you did the bare minimum that would be required of you to not be considered like abusing like a negligent neglect yeah yeah so it's kind of like okay like i understand you know and obviously we get further context that it's like because they threatened to kill him which is like different which is he's not excusing all of this decisions he's made in nate's life no he's saying this specifically i did for you i only took this job for you for this and he's hiding behind the bravado of i'm gonna get paid two million for this yeah exactly and it's like again sort of this really interesting complex scenario and then it comes into like okay like that's valid but you could have somehow contacted Nate like you could mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like you didn't yeah. actually have to do this alone and I think that's maybe where Nate is coming from where he's like I don't didn't need you to do this for me I didn't ask you to do this for me and now we're all stuck in this shitty situation mm. like you could have just made a different decision and prevented all of this and yeah. you didn't and you chose to do this and now we're all in danger instead your pride your you know, yeah. that sort of belief that, you know... You know better just because you're my parent. Yeah. Which is so sort of, you know, mm-hmm. complicated in and of itself as a concept. But what also I think is really interesting, and they do this very effectively with Nate and Jimmy, and I think we talked about it in the last episode we had him in, where they have this comparative between the old and the new in terms mm-hmm. of, like, you know, the good old days, you yeah. know, of, of Jimmy's time versus, like, the more mm-hmm. modern times that Nate is facing. And he very verbally you know, puts it out there in this episode and he says, it's not like it used to be. You have to be technologically adept. You have to be able to do these things. And, like, Nate is right. 
but also Jimmy manages to just use the radio and the promise of a million dollars floating off of a building Yeah. to like, you know, so I appreciate that they again did this very, very effective thing where they were like acknowledging the fact that it is no longer like it used to be Mm -hmm. while also highlighting the fact that his tactics still work. Yes. Like neither of them are wrong. No. Neither, like it's not like, oh, these silly old people or all oh, these silly mm-hmm. youths. Like not saying that Nate is necessarily a youth. You no. know, he's clearly like a middle-aged man. But like I like that they highlight that there is merit to both. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because it would be so much better for them if they could learn to cooperate. Yeah. But they just can't. Like mm-hmm. it's just a fundamental mismatch. Like they just butt heads too much. They can't trust each other. Mm. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't click. And then obviously they never get a chance to rectify that because Jimmy dies. Yes. Sorry, rant. No, that's okay. And I was going to build off of that. We watched this together, as we said, literally not even 30 seconds before uh, the warehouse, like before we get the reveal that it's Dubinich at the end. Mm. Beth turns to me after the warehouse has exploded and she goes, oh, this is just like season one. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's because this dude has a fucking MO. dramatic zoom through like the prison or whatever to the like Dubinich at the end cell and I literally turned to Jamie and I was like am I supposed to know who that is? She did not recognise Dubinich <laughs> at all. Like I fully from the way that they were like zooming in and whatever I was like I'm supposed to recognise yeah. this person. I, I know that this is supposed to be like a huge dramatic reveal mm-hmm. of like oh my god it was him the whole time and I was like I've got nothing. I'm drawing a blank <laughs> like I recognise that this is significant but I don't know who the fuck that I did, in fact, tell her that it was Dubinich because we're meant to know at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it's not my fault that she's face blind. Well, it's literally like, you know, that whole thing where it's like in media analysis and like literary analysis, particularly, like you're supposed to have a certain level of like assuming that your audience isn't stupid and yeah. like they'll be able to pick up on it. In this instance, I was too stupid. Like it wasn't on them. It's definitely me. <laughs> like I just... As a first-time viewer, and, like, obviously, like, my viewing schedule has been delayed because yeah. we specifically do it week by week and stuff. Like, If you just through this, you probably would have recognised him. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, like, because it's a first-time viewing, like, I'm doing my damnedest to kind of avoid doing any more, like, in-depth. Like, I'm not going and reading meta posts about season yeah. one because... I don't want it to impact how mm. I'm thinking or like accidentally come across a spoiler where they just randomly reference. And this explains in season five, you know? And so like, I'm just not ingrained so, in the fandom in yeah. a way that I would be thinking about Dubinich or like yeah. just, and also, I mean, it's been like four years in real time. Like yeah. the actor has changed and like, it's in a dimly lit room yeah. and he's in a different costume mm-hmm. and there's no context. They really went, we're doing the supernatural lighting choices here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and so I I could tell from the way they were sh- like shooting it. You're meant to recognize. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to know who this yeah. is, but I've literally no <laughs> fucking idea. <laughs> so, how are you feeling that it's Dubinich? Do you have any thoughts, feelings, emotions? Any like? Um, I certainly think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact that even though obviously, like, I didn't pick up on who it was no. specifically. Like, I enjoyed that there were certainly elements that they'd worked into the episode. Yes. Where I was like, oh, this is giving, like, season one. Like, yes. you know, I thought that and that we've, was And you've said it's giving season one at multiple points during yeah. the, the season so far. And, like, I personally, I think that's a very deliberate 
call back to season one so that you're sort of you're primed you're thinking about yeah now season that, one and how the group formed and yeah now that we have this reveal all of the times where i was like oh it's kind of giving season one i'm like oh okay yeah okay it's meant to be giving season one no wonder yeah. yeah so like that was like intentional and so i think that that is very fun actually mm. Yeah, I think that it's quite insane. And honestly, like, even the jokes from Hardison about being like, why are you always pushing me off stuff? Like, even that is, like, season one, you know. Very season one core. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's just very, I don't know. I I hesitate to say, like, foreshadowy. Yeah. Because it's, I don't think that it is. But it is, it's fun that they are. It's still intentional choices to prime the audience. Yeah. And Whether like, it's foreshadowing or not, like they did definitely make intentional choices to have those callbacks mm-hmm. so that the audience was primed and ready for this. Yeah. And I think it's mm. very fun. Out of curiosity, were you watching this like live, like as it came out at this time? No. I only watched it after the entire season had oh, been released. Oh, that's such a yeah. bummer. Because I was going to, oh, of course, because it's early 2000s. Yeah. Or like mid-2000s. Um, I was going to say, like, do you remember the fandom reaction? No. Because um, I Unfortunately, like I was not, I was not a, enough. yeah, I wasn't a, prior to starting this podcast, Leverage was a fandom where I was like a fandom of one. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just, the reason that I watched Leverage was because one person on Tumblr that I followed mm-hmm. reblogged a whole bunch of gift sets. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. So I then watched it. And then I just sort of like... I would just rewatch it. Like, I just enjoy it mm-hmm. for what it is. Like, it was never a fandom where I really, like, sought out content. extra content about leverage. Like, if I saw, like, a dash, something po- across my dash that was leverage, I would reblog it. But I was never, like, I never really had a fan blog for leverage. You weren't, like, like me reading thousands of, no, po- like, no. word-long meta posts mm-hmm. about every new episode. That came later when I started a podcast about it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just curious because I feel like it would have been cool to, like, be there live for that reveal. Yeah. We get Dubinich, and so you're not really feeling any sort of way about it. I also think that it's – there for as much as, like, there are things that are, de- like, not really foreshadowing, they're just priming the audience, mm-hmm. there are definitely foreshadowing moments in this. Like, we get the line earlier in the season where Latimer says, like, you know, I was watching Pearson Aviation yeah. and nobody believed Dubinich. yeah. He, he literally calls out Dubinich by name and you get the sense that he was the only person who believed Dubinich. Mm-hmm. And so it like it's the sort of thing where it's like, oh, well, he just never stopped believing Dubinich. Yeah. No, I think that it's certainly interesting. I think that, again, and I've said this a couple of times mm. about leverage, I think that now that I know the review, I think it increases the rewatch value. Yeah. And I think that if I went back and rewatched the season, I would probably be like, oh, this is like... Mm-hmm. You know, knowing it now and looking for those clues now, I think that it would be way more rewarding. Mm-hmm. I, at the minute, don't know how I feel about Dubinich, only because it's been so long since I've thought about him. Yeah. Like, I almost want to rewatch the pilot mm-hmm. to remember his character before going and watching yeah. the finale of this season. Mm-hmm. I don't think I will, but mm-hmm. it's like I sort of have forgotten his whole his vibes yeah yeah Yeah. like the most that i really remember about dubinich is like the original scene where he like comes up to nate when nate's at the bar and i was like why are you bringing your own alcohol to the bar so it's like a bit of a moot point 
you know. And Nate threatens to punch him in the throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, like, the ending of that episode mm-hmm. where, like, he gets taken down or whatever. Like, that's yeah. sort of the most memorable parts. That and, like, at one point he was talking to Sophie. And I mostly remember that because I remember thinking Sophie was really pretty. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which is, you know, like, honestly, the human reaction to seeing Gina Bellman on exactly. the screen. Like, exactly. So I really don't have any particular feelings one way or another mm-hmm. purely I think because I just don't remember him that well like it's yeah. not like Moreau where we were built up to him the whole season and we were sort of mm-hmm. given an idea of like what his character was going to be like yeah. you know it's not like Latimer where we've met him a couple of times and we kind of have an idea of his mm-hmm. personality like Dubinich I don't fucking remember shit so basically all you need to know about Dubinich going into the finale is he was a weaselly little guy he essentially hired them to do a job to mm. steal research from his competitor, but he framed it as stealing research back from his competitor. And then instead of trying to pay the team, he tried to blow them up. Yeah. What is really interesting, like, comparatively with this episode is that he's still, like, regardless of the intent being to just, like, kill Nate, yeah. right, he's still framing it around stealing information mm-hmm. rather than stealing Mm-hmm. like money or jewels or yeah. art or like you know however whatever he's not running a scam so much like he is he's scamming the yeah. team but like in a very different way and so this episode is like the pilot but refined yeah it's like do it's still Dubinich's plan it's still the same basic plan mm-hmm. hire somebody to steal something to ultimately double cross them and try to blow them up in a warehouse I, yeah. except for this time he's sort of grown mm. like he's he's he spent his four years in prison really, like, kind of mm. like Nate, you yeah. know, learning how to hypnotize. Like, Jovenich yeah. has spent four years learning how to, like, scam. Yeah. And I feel like a really interesting kind of perspective to take on it is that the pilot is, like, the same as any pilot of any mm. show. Like, basically, it's just, like, a, an intro to everything that's happening. Yeah. You're introducing the world, you're introducing the main characters, you're introducing, like, the vague outline of the plot – like, and every pilot, I always sort of give, like, I take it with a grain of salt because it's, like, mm-hmm. they are trying to do so much in such a sh- relatively short amount of time. Yeah. And they're also, while they're doing it, trying to do it in a way where they're, they're pitching it. Like, mm-hmm. the pilot is their pitch. And so they want it to be bigger and more dramatic and, like, whatever because they want it to be memorable to these yes. executives who are watching hundreds of them and, you know, mm-hmm. getting rid of, like, 95% of those. Yeah. So what is really interesting is that I never considered how Dubinich contacted the teams. Yeah. Like, because now, knowing that he comes up and is relevant again, it's making me think about, like, oh, he has to be really well-connected. Yes. Because Parker, Elliot, Hardison, they the, the way they were introduced is that they were literally the best of the best in their fields. Mm-hmm. Or if not the best, like, top two. Two or three, right? Yeah. They're all in and, the top five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, he sought out Nate specifically, mm-hmm. right? Sophie was the only one that he didn't pick, like, yes. that Nate introduced. So I'm wondering if that is going to be relevant yeah. next episode. Because Sophie is maybe going to be the only one that he doesn't necessarily yeah. have heaps of background on. But in saying that, if he's been watching the team, mm-hmm. which, again, kind of he's been in prison. So it, it also comes into, like, okay, we know he's imprisoned in Illinois, how many of the marks 
that they've taken down have potentially ended up in that same prison. Yeah. Or like in that same like mm-hmm. rotation. Like where did chaos go to yeah. prison? I don't actually remember. I don't know mm-hmm. if they told us. But that is definitely something that they could now be yeah. like, well, this guy went to prison and I was his cellmate or like we had fucking shift in the cafeteria yeah. or the laundry together. Like, And it's like how much information is Latimer feeding him in prison versus exactly. what? And also mm. he had the phone and it's like, okay, so like is that like contraband? Like how is he? Mm. So he is clearly super well connected before he went to prison. Mm. And now that he knows who everyone on the team is, he also knows like where they came from because he literally brought them together Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what other intel has he been able to garner from mm-hmm. from sort of behind the scenes while this is all going down? And yeah, like how closely is he working with Latimer? Mm-hmm. Because like it's really – we've talked about this a couple of times and I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm just completely – No, that's okay. I am vibing. Running like, my mouth off. Yeah, go. But we've talked about a few times that like Latimer is kind of – seems like he's made kind of a dumb decision because like theoretically – his best move was to just not let the team find him. Yeah. Because, like, he was going to mm-hmm. make his best profits. Now that they're aware of him, he's, mm-hmm. like, tried to strike a deal. Nate's turned him down. But, like, where and when and how that's all going to come to a head, I would assume is going to happen next episode. This doesn't feel like something that's going to carry over to season five. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that you've specifically always said about Leverage is that they always end the season as if it's their last season. So, mm-hmm. like... There shouldn't really be wherever they leave the season is a place where if it was the season finale you should be happy and satisfied with the end. Yeah, yeah. And so they've also done something that is like very reminiscent of what they did for season three, which is like I feel like the first half of the season finale they've kind of done the major reveal dramatic moment, and I kind of feel like maybe this last episode is going to be less Mm -hmm. intense somehow, which. In season three, I kind of, like, didn't love. Yeah. But I think that's honestly because, and I said this in the episode, they built Moreau up so fucking much and then, like, kind of did nothing with it. Like, it just kind of was like, oh. Whereas the key thing is they've already beaten Dubinich. They already know they can beat Dubinich. Yeah, he's literally already in prison mm -hmm. is the other thing. So it's like, how much more can they do to him? Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure what the go is going to be be mm-hmm. like i guess yeah. the only other thing they can do is like have his sentence extended or have him mm-hmm. transfer some more high security or like yeah. somehow ruin him even more but mm-hmm. like they've pretty much set the bar on like yeah. ruining him like they took away his life and career and friends mm-hmm. and like yeah. he's pretty wrecked you know which like is- his reputation is gone his business is gone like yeah literally and so what does he have left his fucking name not really because he was dragged through the mug when they took him down exactly and so what is interesting about that is like number one what can they really do to him Mm -hmm. that they haven't already done yeah which number two gives him nothing to lose Mm -hmm. like his motivation is clearly revenge and there's kind of like this precedent that's been set of like well he doesn't really care he will he doesn't have anything to lose so he's out for revenge. So like, therefore, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what he does. He's already shown that he's willing to kill somebody. Yeah. For it. Well, like, he's willing to kill all of them. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to me because, it, yeah, they. it's not like Moreau who was set up to yeah. be toppled. Like, no. Dubinich has already hit rock bottom. So, like, what more can they really do? Yeah. And Leverage doesn't give me the vibes of a show where it's like, well, we'll kill him. Yeah. 
Murder is normally off it's, the table for yeah, language. Like, like normally. And we've, Again, we've seen a lot of attempted murder and not a lot of murder. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, unless they do like a double, triple flip and it turns out that Dubinich was actually fucking... On their know, side the entire time. The whole time. Whatever, like, and, you know, yeah. whatever else. But like, I, you know, I'm literally just saying that based on nothing. He it, was a full dickhead in the pilot episode. Yeah. Like, we're not thinking that's going to substantially no. change. Like, they're not no. retconning their own law. But that's they're the, not supernatural. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I'm trying to think of like any mm. way that they could do something with that character. Mm. But I think that maybe, I think that maybe the part about him that is interesting is the fact that they've already ruined him yeah and he has nothing to lose because that means that he can afford to be way more like take more risks he can be scrappy he can be desperate he can do whatever the fuck he thinks he needs to do yeah because what else are they gonna do to him exactly and also it's a case of like the three guys that are taking on elliot in this episode oh quick side note Mm -hmm. i really appreciated elliot in this episode Mm -hmm. i think that they really did his character a lot of justice because he was interesting. He was making insightful comments. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, showing off He was the cowboy. His, he was showing off his ability. He got to flex his funny bone with the whole fucking cowboy thing, which was so ridiculous. I literally have hang in there, cowboy. Ha, 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 ha. It's gay. just like a little guy. Like, it's just, just literally. a smidge. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he did, like, a fucking... When those three guys are attacking him on, like, the glass bridge or whatever, and then, like, they've kind of decided that they've put on enough of, the sh- of a show and he, mm-hmm. like does, like, the roll to get away yeah. from them. That roll looked so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck the freaking lube, knee, slide, gunshot yeah. bullshit from last season. Give me more rolls. That yeah. roll was sick as hell. Just the way he goes from being like, oh, my God, I'm getting beaten up. Ah, and then they sort of drag him again away. Yeah. And he just does, like, the little bounce, roll, bounce. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, he was fucking faking that the entire time. He was so good. And also, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, just some of the acting choices that were made regarding Elliot this episode too, like Christian Kane made some like really interesting decisions that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like when Nate is saying to him, look, it's better if I go in there alone. Like I will explain everything later, but like it is better if I go in alone. Mm-hmm. And Elliot just sort of takes a moment, looks at him, like considers, and he's like, I'll do my first sweep. Yeah. The trust mm-hmm. that Elliot is putting in Nate when he agrees to let him go alone with no explanation. Like, and I really enjoyed, like, I felt like you could really see the gears turning mm-hmm. in Elliot's mind. Yeah. And, like, he is really, really making conscious thoughts and decisions here. And I just enjoyed it. And then the fucking taking on those dudes with the duct tape. Like, I don't know if they had a different stunt coordinator yeah. or something for this episode. But I just feel like the choreography in the fights was just, like, I feel like it hit a new level. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a point in Supernatural in the later seasons where they got a new stunt coordinator and like it was abundantly clear like you watch the first episode with a stunt coordinator changed and you're like oh this is different to what we've been used to for like yeah. the last fucking 12 seasons or whatever and so that's how it felt to me mm-hmm. like the duct tape inspired fucking loved it you know and then elliot literally stopping mid thrashing to give them tips is mm. so funny. Like, he literally just wants them to be their best selves. It's so And he's fun. done this before. We saw right. this in the Rashomon job. We saw him being like, okay, well, if I don't give you, if I don't tell you, how are you ever going to learn? Yes. And I love that for him. I love that, like, beyond anything else, Elliot is, like, a little teacher at heart. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that off camera, like, he is teaching the crew, like, how to fight. 
I would bet real money that he has definitely taught some of them how to cook. Like, you know, I just love that that's an aspect of his character that's not, like, specifically, like... Highlighted? Highlighted, but it's certainly there. I think it's super fun. But, yeah, like, I can't remember why I started talking about Elliot. I was Uh, talking about Nate. Oh, the trust him and Nate had in, like... Yeah. mm -hmm. That's where he started, so... Yeah. Oh, also, oh my God. I don't know. This isn't going to mean much to many people, but it will mean something to Jamie and anyone who's Australian or familiar with the Wiggles. Mm. Uh, so the skivvies that those dudes are wearing were giving me such Wiggles vibes. Like, I know they were all black, but like <laughs> the Wiggles vibes, just impeccable. I cannot see a skivvy without being like Anthony, Greg, Murray, and Jeff. <laughs> And I have no idea what I was talking about when I was... I, I, I literally can't remember. I just went on a rant and... I was like, I'll give you a moment to, like, you know, get your thoughts together. And you apparently had no thoughts left. I Look, I have so many thoughts left, but also I feel like I'm just monologuing at you. So I'm going to shut up for a hot second and just let you maybe make a point. <laughs> I, I just... I, I really do. I really love this episode. I think it's certainly one of the strongest episodes of the show like I think like it's definitely at least top 10 for me like really yeah I really love this episode there is some moments that are melodramatic and over the top and kind of unnecessary (laughs) but like here's the thing like you're not watching leverage for like you know dark and gritty and all seriousness like you're watching it to have a fun time you're watching it to have a vibe and I think that this episode is like it's just such an important episode in terms of like characterization and character development and it's just so fundamental in, you know, looking at the way the team functions mm-hmm. as a unit. And I think the fact that they have the little fucking Roomba essentially with a goddamn butler on it. I fucking adore that. I love so Parker's good. obsession with the fucking time machine that's yes. not actually fucking real. I love, you know, like they're all just like, I love that, you know, Parker and Elliot have that knowing glance before they just fully shove Hardison off of the fucking balcony because they're like, this dude's not going to jump off his own volition. We need to fucking push him. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. Mm -hmm. You know, like I love the fucking romance between Elliot and the goddamn cop. Like, oh, it is so funny. It's just so fucking gay. And like, it's so fucking funny. And like I said to you a little bit before we started recording, like I find it typically harder to talk about leverage than I do about supernatural yeah. because leverage I'm just sitting down and I'm just vibing for mm. 40 minutes straight typically like I'm just sitting down and I'm just enjoying myself and I don't really want to stop and take notes no because I'm just enjoying watching the episode you're happy to just vibe yeah and it's fun and it's light-hearted and like I don't really want to look away from the screen because like I don't want to pause it every fucking mm. time I want to take a note but I also, you know, don't want to miss, like, the little bit of comedic humor that I'm sure mm. is about to be peppered in there just in, like, physicality. You know, I don't want to miss the next little quip. I don't want to miss the, like, subtle fucking Parker lifting something off someone mm. that will come back 20 minutes later and be important, you know. And it's it's just a very fun energy. And, like, you know, you kind of said mm. earlier today that leverage is genuinely very much, like, you chuck it on and you know that you're going to have a vibe. It's going to be fun. There might be some heart-wrenching stuff in there, but ultimately the bad guy's going to lose and, like, you'll feel good at the end of the day. And there's just something inherently comforting about leverage and the way it formats its episodes and the dynamics of the team and, like, is it a serious, like, you know, film piece? No. No, but it's not designed to be. But it's not designed to be. It's meant to be... 
It's basically like the criminal version of a like a, a cop show. Yeah, it's you know supposed I mean? to be a bit cheesy. It's kind of poking fun at the genre a bit. Like, oh my god, the whole bit where Elliot is on the walkie-talkie with the agent, and he's like, you can tell when you're talking to another badge. Like, can you feel it? And I was like, that is so funny. And the guy's like, I can feel it. I'm like, this is... <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> it, But it's just... It's so much fun. It's just... I really love Leverage. Mm because it is it's just like it's very comforting like it's very you know what's going to happen there is no surprises like the end of the day the team's going to be happy and all right like Mm -hmm. you know you've um had an issue sometimes with sometimes it feels like uh conflicts within the team are left unresolved yeah but i stand by that yeah but that's one of the things that i like it's like okay well they get over it like no matter what happens Mm -hmm. within the team dynamic they get over it because at the end of the day them working together and their found family is more, is important. more important than whatever fucking, you know, minor bullshit they're annoyed about this week. Yeah. To be fair, I would argue some of the things are a little bit more than minor. Um, My only complaint is like, I, I appreciate they get over them. I appreciate they move past, but I kind of wish we got to see them have yeah. a discussion. That's really where my complaint lies mm-hmm. is I'm like, I understand that they obviously got over it, but I just wish we got to see the process because mm-hmm. it feels like inorganic to me that yeah. they just kind of like, Oh, Hardison was like furious and now he's like fine. You know, it's like there's a process in there that we're missing. And it's, I understand that's not what the show is necessarily like about mm-hmm. in terms of vibes specifically, but like it is something that I feel like I would appreciate having a little bit more time spent on. But literally, it's so funny because when you explained, you know, kind of that whole mentality about it, I was literally like, Dean Winchester would froth <laughs> leverage and he would have a crush on Elliot. And no one can convince me otherwise of this. This is fact to me. <laughs> I'm just, look, there is a scene that happens in the next episode that fully supports your, your point. Amazing. So we will revisit this next week. There's a Dean monologue in an episode called Mint Condition that fully supports my theory as well. So I love when. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like, I haven't seen that far in. No, it's like season 15. You've like, got a while to go. I, I, I haven't seen that, but there is fully. There, 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 let's just say there's going to be a couple of lines of dialogue mm. next episode that are very relevant to that point. Mm-hmm. That are very, very relevant to that point. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to I it. I do too, because I do think you might lose your shit a little bit. <laughs> Great. My favourite. Um, I do want to quickly harken back to, you mentioned like the, the Roomba. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So... I can't remember if we've mentioned this on the pod before, but Jamie does have an automatic vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I've got a little robot vacuum. And we very fondly refer to him as Vacman. We don't just refer to him. That's his official name. Yes. And the funniest part to me is that the butler guy on top of the thing in the episode today, I was immediately like, oh, it's Alfred. It's Alfred and Vacman. I want to say, though, for the record, I did not name my vacuum cleaner. I think you should, like, be proud of it. I think it's when a great When I bought my robot vacuum cleaner, I was still living with my sister and my niece and my nephew. Mm-hmm. They were four and five at the time. Yeah. And they named my robot ba- vacuum cleaner Batman. Yeah, because... Oh, okay. And so I renamed him Vacman for the, the pun. pun. But I did not choose the name Batman, <laughs> and I would not have named my robot vacuum cleaner Vacman if they did not originally name him Batman. I think it's hilarious. I love it. I think your niece and nephew are comedic geniuses, if I'm being totally honest. 
But no, it was Macman and Alfred, and it made me giggle a lot. Also, side note on that. The fact that the guy sees the thing. The Roomba with the... And his immediate reaction goes, it's an IED. Which, number one, wild conclusion to draw. And number two, they shoot it. Like, guys, you think it might be a bomb? And your immediate reaction is like, oh, yeah, I know what'll help. To be fair, though, this entire episode does take the stance of the police are dumb as fucking shit. The line, we aren't paid to think, we're paid to act. I was like, US Americans, are you okay? That is an insane statement. What the fuck? What the actual... Actually, you are definitely paid to think. Yeah. You are definitely paid Mm -hmm. to think before you act. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's insane to me. Like, just the stance this episode takes on the cops is like, oh, yeah, no, they're just kind of dumb. Literally insane behavior. Insane. Like, I was laughing and then I was horrified because I was like, I really hope this is on commentary. Like, I really, really hope. This is just for, like. This is just for the bit. Mm -hmm. Because holy shit. Because it's not just, like. You know, I understand it if it's like a, a small town, like police station, a lot happens, yeah. like the police being overwhelmed. I can understand that being like, like a the being town bailout job. Like, yeah, like yeah. country bumpkin stereotype yeah. kind mm. of like, okay, yeah. sure. This is Homeland Security saying mm. this. What the fuck? Like, mm. what? What? I also do love that they managed to build in the ultimate buddy cop dynamic between Homeland Security and the FBI guy. <laughs> Literally the whole like oh, did I not make myself clear thing? I'm like, oh my God, guys, stop being so petty. Like, Jesus. It's just like the ultimate setup for a body body cop movie where they ultimately become like really good friends. They hate each other at first, but then, <laughs> but no, I, look, I really adore this episode. I am so excited that you seem to be also vibing this episode. Yeah, it's very fun. I, like, there's just so much to like here i feel like like i feel like they've done like so many interesting things Mm -hmm. i do love the fact that nate's father is also like why the fuck are they blaming everything on immigrants oh my god yeah that was such a fun little addition yeah it's like you know he nate's father didn't have to be (laughs) pro-immigration i mean it kind of makes sense yeah like he is an immigrant it'd be weird if he was (laughs) anti-immigration but for them to make him like very explicitly like yeah, it wasn't something that had to be included. No. Mm. Mm. I do have one small complaint about Jimmy this episode. Yeah. And for the main part, I do like his character. Like mm. I said before, I think he's very fascinating, particularly as like a contrast with Nate. Yeah. And that is the purpose of him. Yeah. So I think it's commendable. He's there to be a dickhead and to be a really good foil for Nate. Yeah. 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 I have one semi-complaint. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it's clear like he's concussed. Yeah. So like, sure. But the fact that, like, he's on the phone with Nate and Nate's like, you have to get out, you have to get out, you have to get out. And it's very abundantly clear that there are explosives around. Like, it's yeah. very clear. Like, they're not trying to hide this, right? Like, as his vision's blurred mm-hmm. or whatever, it's like, okay, but you can abundantly clearly see, yeah, you know, the signs on those barrels. Like, I understand. But he had a full 30 seconds on that timer. Mm-hmm. He had time to go. Even if he had to crawl along the ground. Yeah. He had time. To get distance. And he just chose to stand there on the phone. And like, I well, understand. Well, that's, here's the thing though. It's not about him. It, it is about him choosing to stand there on the phone. 
It is about choosing to try and protect his son before saving himself. It is about him saying, no, what's more important right now is for me to stop my son from coming in here and potentially dying with me. Yeah, but the best way for him to stop Nate from going into the building would have been for him to get out of the building. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess my confusion lies in, like, how is him dying protecting Nate? Like, he is choosing to stand there knowing that he's about to die. And it's like you had time to at least attempt to get out. Like, Nate would have been way less fucking freaked out and sprinting towards a building that was about to blow up if he at least knew his dad was trying to leave it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really see... But then it's also that thing of... Jimmy doesn't necessarily know that Nate knows where he is. And so if he comes running out of a building and Nate spots him, then he automatically knows where Jimmy is and he'll go running towards it and then might still get hit by the bombs. I mean, I guess, but I feel like Nate's making it pretty abundantly clear over the phone that he's like, I know where you are. I'm coming to get you. Like he says that like multiple Mm -hmm. times, like I'm coming to get you right now. And so I think that that just kind of confused me. And I suppose you can, like I said, like obviously he's concussed. I'm wondering if maybe they were using that as, like, Mm -hmm. a reason why he wasn't trying to move. Yeah. But I was like, he's able to stand up. Yeah. Which means he is certainly able to crawl. And whether or not he would have been able to get out of the building in that 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. he surely could have made it further away from the point of impact. And so I just don't quite understand why he had to die except for Nate Manpain. Yeah. And, like... While normally we're like, oh, the woman dies for man pain, it's very frustrating. Like, at least in a refreshing turn of events, oh, yeah. it was his, it was his dad. Here's the thing. But Leverage really likes to make men die for <laughs> man pain or for woman pain. Like, it's equal opportunities here. Mm. Like, you know, they're they're not against... Killing men. Killing men. Like, yeah. they're really not. Like, I reckon more men die in Leverage than women. Yeah. Like, I think is I think is the thing. But for me, what it is, is, you know, like, Jimmy knows that he's not going to make it out of the warehouse. He knows he doesn't have enough time. So he is choosing... To just stand where he is. To to just stand. You know, it's his final, you know, sort of act of dignity before he dies. And he's choosing to do it because he, he, he wants to use his breath to try and save his son. Because at the end of the day, like, he cares about his son. And so he's choosing to you know put his son like before himself i understand the like dignity and death mm-hmm. like I, I understand that point i personally still don't really understand how it is doing anything to protect nate mm-hmm. like i i think it's also like at this point he sort of realized that him like he's a weakness to nate mm-hmm. like the the reason that nate was in this situation at all was because of him yeah but that's like a that's not an innately like that's not innately tied to him just being alive or being in Nate's life that's innately Mm. tied to his choices so like he could have learned to make better choices Mm. and that would have protected Nate yeah him just existing I don't think is really the problem I think it's more tied to his like inability to trust Nate Mm. or to like look at the broader picture and understand that sometimes he doesn't actually know what's best for his child at the end of the day like no matter what he's not a good person no as much as he cares for his son he's never been able to actually show that he cares for his son. Yeah, and well, so it doesn't matter how much he does care for Nate if he doesn't actually know how to fucking show it. It's also a matter of, like, we know that Nate was, like, relatively heavily present for Jimmy, like, breaking dude's fingers and, like, yeah. you know, whatever else. That is not a safe space to have a child in. No. Like, you don't bring children into those no. circumstances if you're worried about their well-being. No. You know? And so I think that, like, 
Jimmy may have loved Nate, like, sure, but I don't think that he was a good parent. I no. don't think... And I don't think that it... Yeah, it's like John. Yeah. Like, John may have loved his children, mm-hmm. but he didn't do any fuck any fucking favours for them. No. Like, he wasn't protecting them. He wasn't doing anything to, you know, for any for, for their well-being. No. He was looking out for himself and, yeah. like, had the guise of... He was know. doing what he had to do, more what he thought he had to do to work through his grief and his... Children are an afterthought. Hmm. Yeah. Anywho, I think that this episode was mostly fun. Yes. And I've got a number of little notes that aren't yeah. super connected. Do you have many more things that you wanted to touch I on? I didn't have, like, I think that's pretty well all of the big stuff, really, from this episode sort of, like, dealt with. Mm. I, I have some fun little things that I do want to talk about, but they're, like, little things. Like, they don't really need much discussion. Yeah. Do we just want to, like, kind of trade off? Or? Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. Yeah, go for it. Sharing that brain cell today. Hmm. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Oh, cool. I did say go for it. Oh, sure. <laughs> so I missed that. Yeah. So I had a fun note. Yeah. So obviously, like, Hardison has been, like, pushing a lot just generally, but also this season, mm-hmm. about wanting to, like, run the con himself and, mm-hmm. like, he wants to, like, have his own crew one day. And what I really liked was, like, because Nate walked out and was like, you know, I'm not taking you guys on this particular mm-hmm. uh, mission. They all kind of had to step up and run the con yeah. themselves. Like, we had the debrief where it was Hardison taking them through. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was really interesting was that unlike the episode where Nate says, okay, like, you can take the reins, whatever. Mm-hmm. In this episode, like, because Hardison wasn't given, like, he wasn't trying so hard. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to do something incredible and new and yeah. whatever and prove a point. He was just doing his job. Yeah. And it worked out so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I thought that was really interesting, and also the way that we can see them now working as a team. There was no like, other than the time machine bit, like there yeah. was no like bickering. You know, no. it was all very much like, oh well, like here's the parameters, yeah. and then Parker's like, okay, well that means this, and then Ellie's like, okay, well that means that, and then Sophie's like, okay, yeah. well here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very much. There was no actual disagreement or anything like that. They were just bantering. Yeah, and I just really appreciate the fact that we get to see them actually working cohesively as a team. Yeah. Especially considering how recently we had it highlighted that without Nate, they don't really yeah. have, like, a common, like, focus. No. And so I thought it was interesting to be like, okay, well, like, when Nate is removed and they actually do have to work without him, mm-hmm. they can, and they can do it effectively. Yes. I love the fact that Sophie lists off a whole bunch of things about Nate at the start of the episode when he's just stood her up for the day. She says, you're cold, you're distant, you're emotionally unavailable, but you're always punctual. Cass. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just so fucking funny Mm -hmm. to me. Like, the fact she's like, oh, you're all of these really fucking horrible things. Yeah. Like, she's like, yeah, you're you're shit. But we had an appointment. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Not to Dusty or <laughs> Um, Yes, no, I also love that. Also, while we're on Nate, when he's, like, casing the joint or whatever and he's got mm-hmm. his camera, he's, like, one fucking leg up on the bench. Yeah. I'm like, babe, you're not smooth. Also, literally just taking photos of the front, front In the door. middle of the day. Yeah. Not even obscure. Not even subtle. Nah. Like, bro. Like, he does get the benefit that it is the weekend, so, like, nobody's sure. working, but, like... Not really the point. Like, they still have security cameras, Like, sweetie. come on, bro. I love the way that he's like, oh, my plan was to go in under this alias. And they're like, oh, you mean Frank Petrino, the arson investigator with a limp. And he's like, not my best plan. <laughs> but at least there's no dumb hats this episode. No dumb hats this episode. No, no dumb hats. Mm. Um, also, the line where Hardison says, oh, I peed my pants. That has to be improvised. Yeah. 
I am so beyond certain mm-hmm. that that yeah. is improvised. If they put that in the script, what the fuck? <laughs> Literally. I do love the comparison that Hardison gives of like, he's like, I, you know, it's the game of operation and I'm the tweezers. Yes, that is a very fun analogy. Mm-hmm. I love that for him. Yeah. I also love the reverse zoom through the stacks yeah. when like, it's like Nate and Sophie and Parker, I think, and they do the dramatic zoom back. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a ninja zoom, but in reverse. In reverse. Uno reverse. <laughs> I love the fact that when, you know, you've got the scene with Nate, Parker, and Sophie, and Parker was like, really, your father? Like, you said you would never do this. You said never again. I remember. Mm-hmm. Iconic. She's so that. good for that. Mm-hmm. I think that Hardison should get to have a little museum full of quirky stuff. Yeah. Because he just looked so excited mm-hmm. by all of the things. I just think... And this episode is just chock-a-block of fucking nerdy soup, like, Doctor Who references. Yes, the like, bow ties. Bow ties are cool. And even, like, the music when Parker's like, oh, don't you mean when? And it's like, do-do-do. It's like, that's ripped oh, straight from Doctor Who. My God. Also, sorry, but what were those fucking Microsoft PowerPoint <laughs> effects? Like, the ripple? What were they? They were iconic. <laughs> so jot that down. Fucking hilarious. Oh, I also appreciate that this is, like, the first time Nate doesn't straight up give someone his actual fucking legal name Yeah, when he's talking to someone on the mm-hmm. phone yeah. or, like, a random mark. So I'm glad that he didn't tell the FBI his yeah. actual fucking I name. I do love once. the fact that they're like, mm, just real quick, let's pretend to be terrorists. Genuinely. Oh, my God. When he's, like, send out a hostage and Nate's like, I'll think about it. <laughs> Iconic. The fucking Uncle Scam line. Like, I'm done talking with Uncle Scam. Oh, I was like, God. oh. Everyone take a D4 psychic damage on that one. I honestly... Oh, and the fucking pregnancy belly. Mm-hmm. Like, literally everything about the that. The sympathy. Genuinely. Oh, it is giving, like, midge, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I also <laughs> just want to say, like, special shout out to the fucking Ambo, who's having a deal with <laughs> Sophie and, you know, Mr. Sympathy. The scream. The fact that she just leaves the fake pregnant belly on the fucking, like, gurney. Fucking kills me every time. Funny. That dude is so valid for his reactions. Oh, I would have had the same reaction. Yeah. It's hilarious. He is so fucking valid. Also, it's so fun and rewarding for me to watch the team, like, particularly when Hardison's like, how am I going to do a radio play, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And also, I want to be very proud of myself because I was like, oh, aren't those the lives that have a habit of exploding? And then, like, three seasons later, yeah. I was like, I knew it! But, like... They tell you where he's in the vault and they're like, mm-hmm. they highlight every single piece of technology uh-huh. they're going like to use. And it's like a fun it. little like. Mm-hmm. And we have like Parker, I don't know if it's like a scooter or what the fuck she's mm-hmm. riding on, but she's like, woo. And she's like having the time. She's vibing. She's and having the time. like, are you fucking kidding me right now? But I loved that scene because I was like, oh, we never get to see them do this because normally when they've broken in somewhere, the whole point is they have to be quiet and they have to be discreet yeah. and they have to be like in and out. And I was like, but. The, the alarms are already tripped. Yeah. Everyone already knows they're here. And it's like a weekend. So they're not having to pretend no. in front of any witnesses. They're not trying to blend into any crowds or anything like that. They yeah. can just be Like chilling. I kept being like kind of anxious because I was like, oh my God, Parker, you're being so loud. Like you're going to mm. get caught. And then being like, hang on a minute. No, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. And then she holds up the little fucking butler. And she's like, yes. hello, I'm Mr. Butler. Would you like a sandwich? <laughs> so cute. The fact that Hardison's like, yes, please. <laughs> Iconic. Oh, also... I just want to do a quick shout out. Mm-hmm. When they're all like army crawling through that like yeah. last tunnel, Aldous Hodges' army crawl skill is impeccable, commendable. He is so level. Like 
he just like from head to toe or heel like his body is fucking flat Mm -hmm. that is and if you look at the others crawling around him like all of them have like their hips up or their head Mm -hmm. like they're all kind of like wonky but he is so fucking level and it's hard to do like i used to do um karate right Mm -hmm. and one of the things that they were flex but okay i hated it and i wasn't very good (laughs) (laughs) but like one of the things that they used to be really specific about is as you're moving, like as you're stepping yeah. forward and back and stuff, is that you're not supposed to, like your torso is supposed to remain steady. Yeah. So like your your height isn't supposed to change as you're moving your mm-hmm. feet. And like, it's hard because as you're like bringing your feet closer together, your instinct is to like lift up. Also, you're just a really uncoordinated giraffe. I am. And also I'm tall. So it just, it was a bad time all around. But like the point being, it is like, I know from practice it's hard to remain level even when you're standing. Mm. This man is belly to the ground and he's doing it. And he mm. is so low. He's also lower than all of them. Yeah. And I was like, this is impressive. He looks like a fucking lizard. Mm. He's just okay. yeah. going. How does Hodge's lizard people conspiracy <laughs> That's why there's all those Doctor Who references. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two monos. Do you have anything else? I don't know. I don't think I do. I have two very quick ones. Mm. One of them will mean something to you and nothing to yeah. anyone else. Which is that Jimmy was dressed... Like, he really reminded me of Barry the bus driver. Do you remember Barry? Or Harry? No. The bus driver... He always drove the bus and he had one of those flat caps and he always drove over the curb. And he, when we had the big yellow school buses at primary school... I never caught the school bus. Oh, but, like, he'd drive for excursions and stuff. So you're telling me I should remember a bus driver mm. who drove the bus when I went on an excursion maybe, like... Twice a year. Yeah, because he was a legend. Oh, okay. He was so fun. He was so cool. He like knew. He like was so sweet. But yeah, he had a he had one of those hats mm. and a big jacket, and he always hit the curb. And literally watching Jimmy, I was like, oh, Barry the bus driver. And it's so funny because I'm pretty sure we all called him Barry because mm. it's like alliteration. But I think his actual name was Harry. Mm. But. Anyway, he was just giving me, like, that's what Jimmy was reminding me of this episode. Oh, we do need to point out, you said no super hats, but we do get a stupid hat on Jimmy. See, but because it reminded me so much of like, my fond memories of the bus driver, yeah. like, I, I didn't class it as stupid in okay. this instance. All right. In this instance, I was like, that actual is, is One random cute. bus driver is enough to, like, alleviate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Good to know your standards. <laughs> And also, I have one final note, Yeah, which is that at the very end of the episode, when Nate's like been thrown backwards by the blast, which, by the way, sorry, hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. The slow-mo is a choice. It's so funny. Like, the way they... he was, like, standing his silhouette before the explosion or, like, as the explosion happens. Yeah. And then he's, like, dramatic throwing himself backwards. Mm. Fucking iconically hilarious. Yeah. I'm so sorry. They really like blowing up shit in this show. They do. Mm. I think we have one major explosion literally every season. Whoever gave them a pyrotechnics budget. Regrets their choices. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like, he's, like, on the ground and, like, obviously he's, like, kind of, like, sitting up and coming to and everyone's, like, rushing to him. I was like, oh, this is giving Katniss mm. in The Hunger Games when she blows up the stockpile and she uses hearing in one ear. Yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. that was the vibe I was getting. Yeah. Anyway, that's my final note. That's your final note? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't actually think I have too much more to add. Like, I think this is a really important episode in terms of, like, what it sets up. And I'm so excited for us to watch next week's episode. Mm. So, Beth. Yeah. How would you rate the radio job out of five? I gave it a four out of five. Yeah. I like I was I initially gave it a three and a half. That yeah. was my like gut. And then as we were talking about it and you were talking about like it's oh it's one of my favourites and I was thinking about it, I was like, there's really not much to fault in it. No. Like I don't think I can justify it. I there's think- a few bits that are a little bit silly. Yeah. But it's not enough to dock points for a little bit silly. I was gonna say I don't think that there's 
I don't have a justifiable reason to give it a 3.5. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a four. I don't think it's worth a five, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth no. more than a four because I don't think that it is a particularly standout yeah. episode of Leverage. But I do not think that there is anything worthy of docking points. So I'm going to give it a four. And to be fair, I rate it so highly because of the next episode. Like, oh. when you take this episode in conjunction with next episode, it's like you can't watch one without the other. So I've watched this episode so many times because okay. I want to watch next week's episode. Got you, got yeah. you. So it's like me watching 4.9 and 4.10 of mm-hmm. Supernatural. So the other thing is I think this episode would have hit harder if I had recognized Jubinich. Yeah. Like, and it was so frustrating, actually, because as, like, Nate was like, I know who it is and stuff, I was like, fuck, that means I should probably be able to guess who it is, like, reliably, like, Mm -hmm. theoretically, they should have given me enough information. And you have, you had actually already mentioned, you had mentioned and just, yeah, you had, like, a list of people it could possibly be, and you just listed off Dubinich, and then you never mentioned it again. Do you know what is really fucking annoying, is I nearly made a joke to you while we were watching, I was like, lol, wouldn't it be so funny if it was Dubinich? And then I just didn't, because I was like, they're not going to do that. That would be ridiculous. And then I was like, well. <laughs> and then literally me being like, who the fuck is that? And you being like, it's literally Dubinich. <laughs> oh, anyway. Anyway, next week's episode is called The Last Damn Job. What do you think it's about? I mean, theoretically, it's going to be like the last stand against Latimer and Dubinich. But like, I still don't really know what they can do to Dubinich. Like, they can take down Latimer. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, they can absolutely do that. How mm-hmm. they'll do it, I'm, you know... Mm-hmm. not sure on I guess I'll find out but Dubinich is yeah is, is trickier because he's just kind of they've already taken him out yeah but like I said like I think that almost makes him more dangerous because mm-hmm. he has a level of protection mm-hmm. just because of A he's already in like prison yeah. but B because and murder isn't not... really the team's MO yeah there's also not that much they can take from him no so I don't really know what the fuck they're going to do there mm-hmm. Latimer is obviously sort of set up to fall that, that's fine yeah but, yeah, I don't really know how Dubinich is going to come into it. And also, I don't know if it's just because, like, it's the first time I've watched it, but I don't think it's abundantly clear how closely Dubinich and Latimer are working together. Yeah. Like, because obviously Dubinich has, like, the phone and stuff, and, like, yeah. that's contraband, like, whether or not Latimer is getting him stuff. But, like, Elliot makes the point when he's taking out the guys in the skivvies that... Oh, the Wiggles? The Wiggles, yeah. yeah. When, when Elliot's taking out the Wiggles... You know, he makes the point that they are con men or ex-con men. They're not, like, hired security, which is what Latimer would do. So it's like, okay, so why, if Latimer and Dubinich are working together, would Latimer not just pay professionals? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why – like, if they are working collaboratively, theoretically, then why would he not offer the best that money could buy rather than relying on – hired essentially yeah Yeah. and so i think that that is kind of weird like it feels like it feels like they're being set up that they're working in conjunction but i don't know that i believe it yeah that's look here's here's what i can tell you you will find out all answers to all of this next week cool yeah They're, they're not like they're we will watch next week's episode and you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly how it was all working all right awesome because like the other thing is that part of me part of me when i'm thinking about leverage as like a or what are they going to do with the finale is i'm always thinking about okay what would they do in the finale that would set up the next season because that's how supernatural works yes and so it's like ingrained in me i'm like okay well what would happen at the end of season five that opens up season six right same thing 
but that's not how leverage works. No. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, you know, how would they open up? Because my thought is like, okay, if somehow it gets proven that, you know, the team fucked over Dubinish, like if they yeah. get exposed, that sets up season five really well. Mm-hmm. But that's not how leverage works. No. If this was supernatural, that would be my bet. Yeah. My bet would be that they're like they're gonna put their cards on the table and it's gonna be we're just gonna like massively expose all of you. We're gonna put your faces all over the television. Yeah. You will never be able to run a con successfully again. Everyone's gonna know what you look mm-hmm. like. Right? And they're gonna like somehow have you know, Dubinich is going to have contacted or Adam is going to have contacted all these people they've taken down. They're all going to make testimonies, you yeah. know, and because of all of that, because the way that the team stays anonymous is basically no one believes yeah. any of the singular marks they've taken down, mm. but you get all of them together and all of them point out in a lineup, that person, that person, that person, that yeah. person, that is suddenly a lot more concrete. And so like, if I thought that it was going to be ongoing into like to open up a season five, that would probably be my bet would mm. be that they're working collaboratively the point is not necessarily to bring Dubinich back out of prison. It's just to bring the team down. Yes. And, like, in that sense, like, reopen all of these investigations and potentially, like, these people. Because, like, a lot of them were obviously doing a lot of bad stuff, but the things they actually went to prison for were things they were set up for. Yes. So, like, they would have to go to retrial and, like, then they might get a reduced mm-hmm. sentence and, like, however, whatever. So it's it's very complicated all very suddenly. So, but knowing that leverage doesn't really leave open-ended seasons, yes, that theory is mm-hmm. null and void, which is why I've never brought it up. Yes, <laughs> because that's part of like what I'm like. That's what Latimer could have been planning this whole season, but I've just never mentioned it really because like I just don't think that it's a viable. Like it doesn't fit with the leverage mo. No, so it's not on brand for leverage. No, and like I, based on what you've said. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it would be very likely. If this was supernatural, that would probably be my bet. Yeah. My bet would be like the threat that the team is going to face next season is literally just that they're exposed. Yeah. And then that would be a really interesting way, I think, for them to... That would be a very interesting thing for them to have to tackle for the final season of the show. Yes. But I just don't see it happening Mm -hmm. because of the way that leverage is structured. Like they need to have a wrapped up season finale, which means... Somehow Latimer and Dubinich will be tied up and I don't really know how, mm-hmm. but they will. Sophie and Nate will probably have some kind of emotional closure in terms yeah. of like, you know, instead of Nate being like, I'm a thief, he'll be like, I'm monogamous, you know, like <laughs> there'll be some kind of fucking revelation there. Yeah. Whether we get some kind of resolution to Parker mm-hmm. and Hardison, because we didn't really get much Parker in this episode. No. I don't know, but they've been pretty heavy on it all mm-hmm. season, so it wouldn't shock me if they had yep. some kind of... Partisan moment. Partisan moment, you know, mm-hmm. pretzels revisiting or something. Yep. You know. I'm not quite sure what they'd be looking to do with Elliot specifically, yep. but, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be in any mortal peril. No. That's all good. All right, lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening to us today. If you want to find us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. Feel free to interact with us about literally anything, but suggested conversation topics do include... Favourite times Hardison's been pushed off things. Yeah. I think that could be a tier list. Yeah, just like, (laughs) you know. I do think that this this episode's version is A tier. Yes, I do love this episode's version. Chef's kiss, (laughs) so good. (laughs) I want to know how you feel about Jimmy. Oh, yeah. He's now dead. We're not going to see him again. So now it's no longer spoilery territory. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a shock to say we find out a little bit more about Jimmy, but, like, not a lot. Like, he's dead. He's not going to reappear. 
you know? Yeah. I, here's the thing, actually. I wanted to mention this, but I forgot. Mm. I keep forgetting Jimmy died. But <laughs> what I will say is Timothy Hutton's reaction to Jimmy dying, mm-hmm. so much more satisfying than the fucking Sam flashback. Yeah. Like, I just feel like... Finally learn how to react when a loved one dies. Yeah. I yeah. just feel like, for me personally, the performance that he gives mm-hmm. to this death mm-hmm. feels so much better than yeah. the flashback we got of Sam. And if we have to flashback to this moment, uh, you know, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow in next week's episode or whatever, I would feel better about it than I did about all the fucking times we flashbacked mm-hmm. to Sam. Yeah. Oh, are they going to do a funeral for Jimmy? I wonder, and if they do, do we get to meet his mother? Because I don't know if we know that she's dead or something, but, like, they brought her up in a flashback this episode. Nate's Be- mother. Yeah. She's dead. She is dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We oh, get okay. confirmation of that back in the three-card Monty job. Oh, I literally forgot. Nate literally says the line, oh, and then when mum died. Oh, I fully forgot. Yeah. Apparently, I'm just not very good at remembering which of Nate's parents are alive. Neither of them now, so it's super easy for oh you to God. remember now. Okay, that makes it so much easier. Yeah. At, at, at this point, now both of Nate's parents are dead. Okay. Can confirm. Cool beans. Have got, have got that information. All right. If we get a funeral scene, though, I think it would be so fucking uh, banging if Maggie rocks up. Yeah. I would love to see a little Maggie-Sophie moment. Okay. I think that would be very fun. Any other moments you've got on your wish list for the season finale? I mean, I kind of covered them before. Like, I feel like we should get a partisan moment because, mm-hmm. like, it's been so heavy this season. Yeah. I don't really know what that might entail, but mm-hmm. I think it would be fun. I'm wondering if maybe actually this will spark a conversation about, like, family. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, obviously we don't get to see a lot of the team's family outside of, like, Jimmy is really the only related family we've really seen. Like, I'm wondering if maybe Hardison will be compelled to, like, call his nana or whatever and mm-hmm. be like, hey, like, it's been a while kind of thing. Yeah. You know, whether or not we'll get some Nate and Parker bonding because of their, like, father-daughter dynamic that's been mm-hmm. pretty strong throughout the series and particularly emphasized this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I feel like it'll be fun to see them go to a funeral that isn't Sophie's. Oh, okay, yeah. So I just think that mm-hmm. that is kind of a vibe. And I feel like it would be very interesting for Nate – because it would obviously be like a combination of his like blood family and his found family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those dynamics can be very, very different uh, and will mesh in an interesting way. I also feel like sometimes like the colliding of worlds can be a bit disorientating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I'd, I'd certainly think it would be very interesting to have Maggie and Sophie be there for him. Yeah. Um, so you just basically want to see Maggie and Sophie vibe, Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm. I I love those two. And I think especially, like, as probably the two women closest to Nate in the most comparable sense, Mm. I very much enjoy that there's never been any, like, built jealousy or hostility between them. In fact, I reckon, like, I don't think it's, like, a stretch to say, like, Sophie and... Um, Maggie are on better terms than Nate and Maggie. Like, yeah, I agree. Like, they're sometimes Nate and Sophie. Or so, yeah, you know, like they're just vibing. Yeah, and I think that it's a very respectful relationship that they have towards each other. And so I think that it would be really interesting to have the two of them. I also think that if Nate is going to have like a fucking, oh, I actually am in a relationship with Sophie moment, like, I think it would be interesting mm-hmm. if a conversation with Maggie sparked yeah. that. I think that that would be like particularly mm-hmm. fitting. Um, okay. Well, yeah. 
that brings us to the end of the day's episode. Thank you so much for listening to us. Please join us again next week for the last band job. Bye. Bye.